The importance of working with brands that not just wanted to create a brand or a product to be commercial driven, but also having a purpose behind. That's the power of purposeful uh, marketing. You really move emotions and feelings instead of just moving wallets. How can we listen to what our consumers need in order to create content orientation that will work with them on their emotions and on their feelings and give the support? If we are able to crack that space that is able to merge with my specific brand's core value, as well as the information that my consumers need, then that is where we get that sort of secret sauce. Link these two ideas of what is your goal as a brand, but also pair that with what the consumer needs. Genovese here. I'm the founder and president of Imaging Power, and this is our Influencer Marketing Uncovered podcast. Today, I'm here with a lovely co-host, Samara Marangoni. So Samara is our campaign coordinator here at Imaging Power, and together, me and Samara, we are very happy to be joined by Bia Bravo. Bia is a senior marketing manager for Oral Wound Care and Skin Health at Johnson & Johnson. We've over nine years of experience in the market industry, Bias has helped build and grow Johnson & Johnson brands across Asia, turning them into love brands that become part of the consumer's life in a simple and seamless way. How are you today, my dear Samara? I'm very happy to have you with me today as a co-host for the first time. Very exciting. Yeah. Hi, Martin, everyone. I'm very excited to be here hosting today's episode with you and with our very special guest, who's joining us all the way from the Philippines today to discuss how to build beloved brands through changing times. So Bia, welcome to the Influencer Marketing Uncovered podcast. Uh, thank you so much for accepting our invite. We're very happy to have you here with us. And just to start off, could you share with our audience a little bit more about yourself and your experience? Yeah, sure. And thank you so much for having me. Uh, thank you for inviting me all the way from Manila. Um, as you know, it's already nighttime here, but um, I've been with the Johnson & Johnson marketing team for over nine years. Um, it is my first job, and I guess I fell in love with the brands that we also handle, um, like Johnson's Baby, as well as our uh, iconic brands like Listerine, Avino, and Neutrogena. Um, what I love the most is making work that is purposeful and meaningful and in that sense i believe that's one of the key factors as well in being able to create beloved brands that it's not just about selling products but it's about selling um, a certain brand purpose that really would make the lives of our consumers better amazing bia again just echoing here what samara said thank you so much for joining us today uh, we are very happy to have you here and love how you have introduced yourself, talking about the importance for you and of working with brands that not just wanted to create a brand or a product to be commercial driven, but also having a purpose behind 
So I love that you start your introduction talking about purpose-led campaign, purpose-driven campaigns. So tell us a little bit, like as as you open up that you know that topic, I'd love to start on that exploration of like how uh, we see in your role, you start seeing the importance of creating purpose-driven campaigns, not just to attract you know, the new generation, the Gen Zer, but overall as a component of a timeless and need to sit right at the core of any brand that really wants to thrive and feels like you are on that path. So tell us a little bit more like how you're embedding purpose within what you do. Yeah, so I guess it's all about going back to it every time that we're faced with um, certain challenges within the country or even within the category. Like, for example, um, I can go back to when I was still handling Johnson's baby just last year uh, when COVID and the pandemic hit, right? Um, so most of our... So we, we factor in or we play in the body wash category with our Johnson's baby liquid washes. And with the COVID pandemic, most of the night, the anti-germicidal washes were the ones that was selling. And for us, it would be so easy to say, okay, how do I focus on outselling the antibacterial washes, right? But that's not where we started. We started with where are our consumers now? What are their what are they facing and what do they really need? So we had to really go back to our core, which is our moms and babies, and assess what are the needs that they have, even though it's different, very different from when it was previous, um, previously when it was not yet a pandemic, right? And with that, we actually uncovered their need of being connected to their doctors, as well as being connected to the support which they are not unable to connect to with the lockdowns happening in the Philippines. So had we gone the 99% route, 99% germ kill route, because we could technically substantiate it with our products, it would have been just a me too in the category. But since we went and dug deep onto what our consumers really needed and what our brands could give, we instead was able to crack uh, a live stream activation wherein the moms could consult the doctors, which was never done beforehand. And they could um, even input their questions um, right during the live stream. And this allowed us to really gain the brand love of the moms and babies um, during that time because they really felt like... Um, we were there for them instead of us selling just a liquid wash or a product. Um, at the same time, this advocacy turned into something that our KOLs or our celebrities backed, um, backed up. And we didn't even have to pay them extra. They were so much willing to host the live streams, um, get, uh, get to engage the moms where they needed it the most, even without any extra cost, because they believed in the advocacy as well. So I think that's the power of purposeful uh, marketing. Um, you really move emotions and feelings um, and sentiment instead of just moving wallets. No, I, I love that. And what I, what I love it is, is what you're saying is just like, because it's, it's beautiful because during the pandemic, right, you had the most needed product at the time, right? So how to protect yourself is you have to have your hand sanitizer 
all the time. But I, I, you, you guys saw the other way around of looking at this as an opportunity because instead of going and 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 sell it, you just stop and say, okay, what are consumers I need now? Because everyone is isolated, right? At home, everyone is feeling alone. So how can we listen to what our consumers are in need in order to create, you know, a content orientation that will, you know, work with them on their emotions and on their feelings and give the support that the moms uh, need. And I, I, that is, it, it is amazing. And then tell me one thing about this live streaming. There was a live streaming that involves a shop live streaming or it was just more like a panel uh, live streaming? How was the format? And, and, and how do you, is it something that you continue to do after that experience? So it works so well that you're repeating that? Yeah, so definitely, it's actually um, one of the first, I, I think not only in the Philippines, but um, also in, in other countries, right? Our first live stream was um, sort of like a framework that the other Johnson & Johnson countries um, in Southeast Asia, and even it reached up until Colombia, used as a framework for their live stream oh. as well. Um, basically, we weren't allowed in the Philippines to have doctors in our ads, ad materials because of our um, ad board. But this time we were allowed because we didn't really so much push the product uh, per se, but we rode into the banner of Johnson & Johnson and what we stand for. And it's more like an advocacy of uh, serving, serving our consumers, right? Um, so we invited doctors to talk about the topics that our moms and babies needed the most. So we started with um, taking care of prenatal babies during the time of COVID. And number two, taking care of your newborn baby skin during the time of COVID. Because these are the um, concerns, top concerns of newborn moms and pregnant moms, which they can no longer ask or go to the doctor for because everybody's on lockdown. So we invited the doctors um, to talk, and then we pulled in some questions from already our mommy communities that we've been talking to, and we kind of consolidated those and started with those questions um, that our doctors will answer. But at the same time, our host will also be reading live questions um, on Facebook. Usually this will last about an hour, but because the questions kept coming, sometimes it extends to an hour and a half. Wow. Um, so we would just try to manage um, as, as, the, as the time went on. And of course, definitely up until this year, we are still doing this, although it evolved a little bit more. Um, we're partnering more with our e-commerce platforms like Lazada and Shopee because we found out that more um, viewership is done there nowadays. So it evolved a little bit, but the core is still there. Um, how are we able to disseminate information that our target market really needs in a way that um, works even if it's lockdown? Especially in the Philippines, we're still at the lockdown like two years after. I know, I know. It's, it's a, it is it is a, it's bad. I, I've heard that you guys are still on, on, on lockdown. And then uh, the singing with live, uh, which which I thought very interesting. You say because you you guys you manage to bring that purpose into a live streaming activation, right? So we we love the top of live streaming here, me particularly. So I can go in on uh, on the live streaming element, 
do you think that it is possible in your view to bring purpose to any live streaming even if one is a shop live streaming what is the success to make a live streaming that you're gonna still have creating that brand love but it's still sell at the same time and educate it so do you do you have any like secret apple that you feel like in philippines or in southeast asia it works when you do live streaming because i think live streaming is all about to engage the audience but if you're doing a shop live streaming you have to have the elements that is commercial there but how to make it this fun but also like as we're talking about purpose to have a purpose behind so I think it also comes back to you knowing what your brand um, can really give as a value to the consumer. So definitely for us, it's about um, being able to give your babies the healthiest skin possible. I mean, I could just simply say um, our baby washes just wash off the dirt, right? But we know at the core, my brand stands for giving healthiest skin of babies so that they can live happy, healthy lives. Um, and that's how we also try to um, navigate in terms of the topics that we handle. Like we're not going into, let's say, um, uh, gestational diabetes because that's not something our brand addresses. So we focus on skin and how do we take care of your baby's skin at this, at this time. So if we are able to crack that space that is able to merge with my uh, specific brand's core value, as well as the information that my consumers need, then that is where we get that sort of secret sauce, wherein it's so easy um, to translate the information that we give to a sale. Because as we connect, how do you take care of baby skin during a pandemic? You need to look for a mild, um, mild and hypoallergenic and clinically proven product which at the same time my product gives so i think it's about finding really understanding your consumer value uh, sorry your product value to the consumer that is not just functional um, and at the same time understanding what is the gap in the consumer information um, information uh, mindset that you have fulfilled um, and then putting those together, you'd be able to crack something that would seamlessly translate to a sale. At least that's how we've been doing it. And so far, it's been working. So, yeah, maybe that's the tip that I could give the, the viewers and the listeners. Yeah, I think it's very interesting as well to link these two ideas of what you like, what is your goal as a brand, but also pair that with what the consumer needs. So it's a fine balance there between getting that right I'm just wondering, how do you think KOLs um, kind of help bridge that? So the marketing objectives of a company with the needs of a consumer, because um, for your campaign as well, you also had doctors and people that are specialists and actually have uh, this background to say, but considering the peer-to-peer -peer communication that I think KOLs provide very well, um, how do you think brands can incorporate that seamlessly to build that kind of relationship and love for the brand. Yeah, I think KOLs are very important these days, right? Um, to your point, in terms of relationship building, 
they are the most important. And in this activation, we actually had three layers of KOLs. So one, we had the HCPs who we are interviewing. Number two, we had the um, celebrity or macro and micro KOLs who were supporting our advocacy. And then number three, we actually are we actually have tapped um, uh, nano KOLs who are part of our ambassador communities, um, which work as a word of mouth to spread the um, basically to spread the information on our live streams and invite people to attend. So working with these three KOLs, I feel solidified um, our being able to establish that relationship. Because number one, the HCPs provided the expertise to your point and the credibility um, of why consumers needed to believe us. Number two, the celebrities provided a sense of excitement and even a sense of bandwagon effect because they are able to invite um, their followers to watch our live stream. And number three, the mommy community um, nano influencers were able to drive word of mouth and authenticity in terms of what we're really saying. So they are able to also give us um, feedback from the ground up so that we can tweak or even um, refine the questions that are really needed. So I think that as an ecosystem needs to work um, and would really help in building that relationship to the consumer because I feel that um, ending with, let's say, an HCP, which drives credibility, Yes, you will drive that um, authoritative voice, but to your point, will that really resonate into the hearts of your target market, right? To, to your point, establish that relationship. And I feel our nano influencers are what um, really helped spread the word for our live stream best. So very, very important, definitely. And I love uh, yeah, that you, you have mentioned a few times since we started our conversation about community. And uh, nowadays, community is one of the most important elements for a brand, right? Because you have the QLs that you can activate them organically or you can activate them on a paid relationship. But how actually to build a loyal community is one of the things that here at Imaging Power with our clients, uh, this is the, the I would say, 50% of our clients, they come back to us and say, how do we actually build a community? How do we engage a community? So how can we use our community to spread the word about our product, about our purpose? Because it's not an easy thing to build a community, right? So how are you uh, through the marketing uh, that you have been doing for so many brands that are Johnson & Johnson, how are you building those community for your brands and how to make those community loyal to, to you and really be the advocate for your brand? Yeah, um, very good question. And for us, actually, we would share this tip. It's not about building your own community but it's about identifying the communities that will benefit, mutually benefit with the information that you give for your product. And at the same time, you are able to gain the loyalty from them. So just a tip, we actually just looked for communities, um, for example, for the moms online. What are the already functioning communities? Because there are a lot. 
And then we would message the administration. And that is where the relationship comes in. We, I would have like a special team looking at um, just relationship building with these communities. And it would be an equal value transfer. Like, what are they looking for? Is it just samples? Is it just um, events? Or is it information, etc.? And at the same time, what are we looking for? Um, do we get posts? Do we get um, engagement in their groups? Um, or even chances to survey them? And um, you'll be surprised how partnering these communities are because they're really not so much looking for payment but really more like they do want to engage with the brands it's just that not a lot of brands have even started to engage with them so the fact that we were first i guess gave us a leeway in terms of gaining their loyalty trust and therefore um also their um advocacy and in in pushing our brand no, very interesting. In this community that you mentioned, are you in the majority of the communities that you engage with there on Facebook or are there other platforms that you look for community? Because I know like in Europe, it's very different from Southeast Asia, which is very different from US. I think for you guys, the majority is more focused on Facebook, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we are the Facebook capital of the world. So it was easy for us because we could just choose Facebook and everybody's there. But definitely, I think for the other countries, for example, it's about finding where those communities are. So we didn't start it. The Philippines team didn't start it. In India, actually, they went into WhatsApp groups because that's what's popular in that country. And we just kind of um, integrated the J&J &J India framework to the Philippines team. And for us, it meant Facebook. So for other countries, it may be something else, um, other social platforms or other messaging platforms, but I think they could be found. And I'm sure if the, um, if the brand managers, for example, really know the target market and where they are, they'll be easy to find. Amazing. I think Samara had an experience recently looking at two communities on Facebook, right, Samara? So we, we kind of tried to type in some of uh, communities I don't remember exactly what was the product, but Samara here, she had a very good, uh, you know, experience in working with communities. Yeah, it's very different. Um, and it's very interesting because the format and the platform we choose definitely impacts the message as well that we're trying to put out. So I think Facebook um, for your activation for Johnson & Johnson was a very smart, not only because of the location and the usage, but also the fact that the target was moms, right? And I think Facebook yeah. is a place where they seek advice and that kind of supply the need for peer-to-peer -peer reviews and recommendations. And I'm just wondering, um, how do you think that brands can turn these challenging times, like the past year that we had, into these opportunities to build these communities and build this loyalty in an ethical way that doesn't necessarily exploit what's going on in the world, right? But that responds in a way that the consumer finds valuable, but that also adds value to your product and to the brand. Yeah, um, I really think it's important. Um, I guess the key metric or the key um, factors that I mentioned a while ago, knowing what your brand stands for, that's number one, knowing what your brand can give, that's number two, knowing what your consumers need that's number three and then putting all those together like one cannot work without the other like if you just know what a consumer needs but your brand and what you value does not address that 
then it will sound fake, right? If you try to like voice it out. Like for example, um, uh, badly put like Coca-Cola saving the environment, but they have all of these plastic bottles in the world, right? So it's, it's not that. So where they position themselves is happiness because that is what they give, right? And we need that right now. So those three things must work together. And at the same time, you cannot just put a brand value without addressing any consumer need. Like for example, um, I'm selling soap that, it, that smells like Victoria's Secret cologne. At this time, I don't care. I need something to put in my, my, my mouth or in my belly, right? So I don't care if it's like a good smelling soap. So it has to be those three, your brand value, what your brand can give to the consumer and what your consumer needs and finding the um the intersection between those three i think is what would really be able to um put forward that brand love for your brand even whatever time it is whether it's challenging whether it's a good time whether it's a whether it's a not so good time those three things i think should remain constant yes wonderful uh, I love that three um, point that you mentioned, and I, I agree with you. I think there are the three pillars for any time. Doesn't matter yeah. if it's a challenging time or if it's a good time. But I think yeah. the three pillars there are the essential if you wanted to create a, a, a love for the brand, right? Through all right. your consumers. Let Let's talk a little bit about technology and data. So how, because I think here in Europe, in US, uh, more and more, we are becoming much more data-driven, right? What that means is that, for example, giving my own example, when I started with seeing this industry six years ago, we didn't know much about, you know, what is the value or the ROI when you engage with a QL. And then from the past five years, I personally have seen a huge shift in the industry, whereas now data analytical understanding, like what's the ROI for what a brand is investing? What are the engagement rates of those QIs? What is the average reach, average impressions? So all this ana analysis, now it's so important and so crucial for agencies and brands to do before engaging with a QL, because at the end of the day, especially if you're investing on a QL and paying them, you need to know or predict, you know, what that QL will bring you in return. Of course, the awareness, you know, the reach. So the, 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 the main pillars, the main things we know they will bring, but how to translate that in numbers, it's becoming more and more uh, important, especially here in Europe and US. So tell me a little bit how it's this in, in Southeast Asia. Is it something that you guys are working more with technology platform to understand data? So how do you work around analyticals, ROI, and data when it comes to QLs? Yeah, for Southeast Asia, I think we're also not the experts there. But thankfully, though, we do have agencies that have some starting framework on how to decide um, what type of number or return we can expect from a certain KOL. So um, we worked with our agency and they gave us a framework on a certain true reach, um, depending on the follower of a KOL. And then at the same time, um, 
when we are able to analyze the engagement rates and the view rates of the posts that they do. Um, and then they have their um, special formula that they apply. We actually just use that um, to measure which of the KOLs are actually delivering on our targets or which ones are, un are under delivery. Um, so it's a proprietary framework from our agencies. And definitely this is something that um, the client side does not have any expertise over. So we relied with our agencies to actually give that um, for us. So far, it seems like it's working because for those that that certain system deems that are working and we continue with, uh, with, with that influencer, we are seeing still some continued traction with our sales. And for the KOLs that we've dropped because of a waning engagement factor score, for example, from their framework, um, we are seeing that soon, sooner or later, we do see a sort of um, waning in that KOL's influence. So honestly, I don't think anybody has any expertise and can say definitely that this is what you should do. But my tip would be to um, get the expertise of our agencies, especially those who've had multiple um, historical data of engaging with KOLs, because I think that's also what our agency uses in terms of their proprietary um, data analytics. It has to have historical data of engagement um, and uh, results before we can really say that um, it has a substantial credibility to provide in terms of creating the KOLs. No, no, uh, incredible that and, and I, I like the fact that like you have, you know, uh, you were on the client side, but you have like we are on the agency side. So we, our clients <laughs> they also they also rely on us when it comes to to data. So that for me is a is, a, is, a, is an interesting response because it's good to know that uh, and that agencies can really, you know, embrace clients and work hand to hand to together understand data, to together understand analyticals and creating, you know, a pool of QLs that we know that, you know, based on, as you said, a benchmark of database of CRM of engagement that, you know, like how to engage with influencer that you have engaged before and how can we benchmark that to get the prediction of the results. As you said, it's never going to be 100% because it's even like an, an AQL, they can have an amazing engagement three months ago, but the social media, the algorithms, they change so much that although we have the history there on data, you cannot predict that the same engagement will happen to that QL every month because it is, it is, it is a tough one, but I feel like more and more, uh, we gain more experience on data and on analyticals. And I think that it will be one of the key elements for the future of influencer marketing, how to analyze better and how to look into data in a more effective and agile way to you to engage with QLs that you know that can give you uh, not just the awareness, but the ROI when it comes to sales, because at the end of the day, Sales is still very important, right? So it's a balance that we have to have, the purpose versus uh, the sales. Uh, let's just like, for me, understand a little bit more about Southeast Asia when it comes to social platforms. So what are the platforms that you at the moment are exploring the most in Southeast Asia? I know you mentioned about live streaming and I think live streaming 
in Southeast Asia and in China, you guys are ahead the game. So we are here in Europe, just looking at what you guys are doing with live streaming to benchmark that because for us, it's still like still developing here in, in Europe, in US, we're getting there. Uh, but apart from that, what are the other social platforms that you engage with your QLs? Let's say Instagram, TikTok, what are the key platforms for you? Yeah, so definitely aside from Facebook, we would have their Instagram. But one of the newest platforms that we are exploring is TikTok, definitely. Um, you know that most of the Filipinos are on that platform, um, especially during the pandemic with nothing to do during lockdown. They would go on TikTok and just make and create content, right? So that's one of the new spaces that we are exploring. Um, to be honest, it's not something that we still have yet um we, we have really deep dived into, and I feel like we're still at a, walk, a crawling stage, but something very interesting that we are looking forward to balance to go and for the next few years. Yeah, I think it's interesting the how TikTok became such a huge thing during quarantine as well. We saw like a change in consumer behavior, not only outside, but also reflected on social media, which is where we kind of are, we're connecting to people. And yeah. yeah, I think the past year with all that's happened has taught us that this unexpected events also has a huge impact on consumer priorities and their lives and therefore also their behavior and what they prioritize in their products and what they expect from their brands, right? Um, so yeah. how would you, from your experience, advise brands to embrace these unexpected changes and still be there for consumers and while maintaining also business success and achieving market KPIs? For me, it's really about testing and learn. Um, being able to ensure that around 70% of your business is well accounted for in terms of your marketing and you try it and you're giving them the tried and true formula of what you've learned. But allocating as well around 10 to 30% into test and learn. And I think that's something very important for us, um, especially big FMCGs, right? Uh, we can no longer operate in the, the previous models of um, planning for like three months and then releasing a campaign. Right now, because of the, um, because social media and the information highway is so fast, you can actually get feedback in real time. And I do feel like that's something that we need to apply nowadays. Um, not being afraid to iterate, not being afraid to release something that's, let's say, 80% done so that we can get immediate consumer feedback. So for me, that would be the biggest um, guidance or at least tip I would give uh, marketers today is to really not be afraid of testing and learning. Um, and as you go through that, you'll be able to uh, create a product or even an activation that your consumers would really, really love and embrace. Um, same thing that we did in a live stream. In the live stream, we turned that around in like, what, one week? And it was just like a super simple, um, super simple background, super simple pictures. Some of the fonts were too small. So the next live stream, we iterated. We made the fonts bigger. We connected it to e-commerce, like gave coupons for those who wanted to buy because we saw that some of the moms wanted to see where to buy. Um, and then the next one, we actually invited um, uh, uh, another doctor that they were requesting for. So it's about iteration as you go along. Um, think about it not as a sort. We should avoid thinking about things as failures, but more as a learning experience. 
And I think that's the best way to really make um, a dent in this very high, in this fast-paced digital world. I absolutely agree. I'm an advocate for test and learning because sometimes we wanted to get everything so perfect before we go there and go out there and test. And I think this is yeah. a mistake because you're never gonna get that perfect, right? So in order for True. you to get better and eventually be perfect, but I, I, I think that we can never be perfect. There's always something you can be better at. So I think the test and learning is the key for the success, right? And then getting the failures and use that failure as your powerful tool to get better next time because I think that's how we learn how that is how we get more experience in what you're doing especially when it comes to so many new social platforms and so many new ways of engaging with consumers right so we're talking about live streaming we're talking about shop live streaming and then now we're talking about TikTok that also has a live streaming tool that you can use but if you wait too much to learn how to use those tools to engage with your audience then it can become too late. So it's better to test and learn, hear what your audience is saying to you, that what are you doing good and what are you doing bad? And then how can you be better uh, next time? I think I'm a, 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 this is how I see, uh, especially now, right? There's so many ways to engage consumers. Like you, you need to go out there don't waste time. Just go out there, test, learn, and that's how you can uh, achieve uh, success. Be a, Creator economy, how do you see that? What is the future of influencer marketing now that we're seeing that creator economy? It's being developed across pretty much all the social platforms, right? We see Instagram, we see TikTok, we see Pinterest, Snapchat. So all social platforms embracing the economy of creators and you know, engaging them to be their own business and giving them the tools for them to become entrepreneurs and monetize in a different level. So how do you see that and how this is at the moment in Southeast Asia? Yeah, so I think um, for, the creator econ- uh, for the creator economy, it's definitely real and important. Um, and we don't brands or big companies no longer have the monopoly of content and we know that some um, someone from let's say the suburbs can create content that will go viral and have a million views right and some something that we might create that might have like a huge production budget might not even get the organic views that we need so definitely very important I think, though, the, the creative economy is moving towards a more authentic space. Like, gone were the days of big YouTubers being all pretty and um, making all of these beautiful content. More and more, what I see as a trend, especially in Southeast Asia, are contents of TikTokers that are your friendly neighbors or even your classmates from high school. Um, and those little Uh, videos are actually what goes viral. It it may not be one person, it could be multiple. And I think it's because a lot more people are looking for authenticity in the content. They are seeing that the content from the past are too curated, too aspirational, too um, basically not down to earth. And uh, during the pandemic time where you're reassessing your priorities, you kind of want to 
um, have a more realistic outlook, but at the same time still be entertained. So you kind of prioritize um, the, the, more, the smaller, more authentic content creators. That's why more and more I, I believe that tapping nano influencers have become more critical these days, especially with um, the fragmented interests of the people here in the Philippines and in Southeast Asia. Like you can't just try to talk to one segment um, because there will be, especially for example, Philippines, we have uh, regions that are quite different from each other with different languages and different dialogues. Um, you can't just be a brand that talks one way and then forgets the other. So you, I think diversity and inclusion in content creators is very, very critical nowadays, um, which makes it more difficult for us brand managers because it can't just be like one storyboard and just blast it everywhere. It has to be somehow personalized and the personalization is what catches the consumer's um, heart and attention. Uh, the personalization, I think, is just like it is a, a very important element that brands should be looking into now because more and more the consumer, they want that personalized, that personalized experience, right? And how to do that is uh, it is trying to, you know, understand your consumer in order to personalize that experience and then personalize that sale experience, the journey that that consumer will have uh, with, with your brand. Uh, interesting. Here, the creative economy is booming here in Europe and in the US. Uh, this is something that we see that creators are really jumping into it and brands trying to understand how to develop even more further that relationship with KOLs to really engage them with them this new era that we are going through now with, uh, with creators' economy. That is there's so many possibilities, right? We're talking about NFTs. So how to create that, you know, marketplace that it is on the early stage, but we see here, I don't know how it's in Southeast Asia, but NFTs will be something that creators very, very soon will be monetizing for that. So they're just trying to understand how this marketplace works. Is NFT something that in Southeast Asia is already being, you know, guys are talking about or thinking to, to dive in? into this new way of engaging uh, yeah. with, with consumers? Definitely not yet. So maybe that's something that we can learn from our European counterparts. Uh, yes. we're, not, yeah. we're not as developed also as let's say China was very, very um, digitally advanced. In okay. Southeast Asia, yeah. we still are more on the social uh, media aspects and creating content for that. Um, I do believe that there is room for advance in terms of um, how to utilize or monetize the cre creations, the content that the creators are um, developing. Yeah. So yeah, maybe we, something that we can learn. Yes, no, absolutely. We are here, we are still trying to learn. We are studying a lot, working with clients and brands to really understand, you know, like how NFTs will impact on the creator economy and how to get into this marketplace. So as I said, I think this is very new still, but I, I personally, and here at Imaging Power, we see that being the future. That's something that we need to start learning and soon testing uh, to, to get the knowledge and, and, and start getting into this new uh, environment and landscape of NFT. 
Bia, we could stay here talking forever because, you know, we love, you know, having guests like you that we can just debrief and discuss so many amazing topics around influencer marketing, around marketing overall. So we are very, very, you know, grateful to have had you today with us. I know it's very late for you, so we really much appreciate it. I loved having this conversation with you. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much also for inviting me. I love the dialogues. I learned something new today, NFT, so that's something I'm going to look into definitely. <laughs> uh, maybe something I will discuss with my agencies and seem like a sm I'm a smart person for knowing that. <laughs> um, but yeah, truly enjoy the experience and definitely thank you so much for inviting me. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Samara, thank you so much for being here with me today as my co-host for the first time. So hope you have enjoyed the experience. I did, and Bia, thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you and learning about your expertise. So I'm very happy, Maida, that you invited me to come today. Lovely. So thank you so much for everyone that's here today listening to our Influencer Marketing Uncover podcast. We, we are continuing to do your podcast because we're having the audience. We know you guys are here listening to every episode with our co-hosts and with our amazing guests from all over the world. So we very, very much appreciate your time for listening to us today. And please don't forget to follow us on Spotify, on Apple and Amazon, and of course on YouTube, if you wanted to see our podcast featuring videos, uh, or if you just want to listen in, just go to Spotify, Amazon and Apple, but our podcast is available there. So looking forward to our next episode, stay tuned. And once again, thank you so much to Bia and Samara and to all our audience that's here with us today. Thank you so much and I see you soon.